Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. to another edition of Head of the Pack, Bill. We are finally here. It's a game week. We have an actual regular season game to talk about. I couldn't be happier. I know we're both driving up to Minnesota on Sunday morning. We'll both be at the game. We just got out of the locker room, Packers locker room, talking to Aaron Rodgers and a couple other guys. The biggest story for me right now, well, there are two, I would say co-biggest stories. Um, We'll touch on both of them. First, the health of Alan Lazard, who Aaron Rodgers has been very clear is the Packers' number one wide receiver. Um, he has not practiced this week, Monday or Wednesday. He was just listed on the injury report as a DNP because of an ankle injury. Matt LaFleur said this morning, this afternoon, yeah, he spoke at 12.15, that he got stepped on last week. Uh, they're just saying they're going to see how it goes as the week goes. Rodgers said today that Lazard doesn't need Uh, much practice to play, if any, just because, you know, he has so much trust in him and and he's been around. But what's your level of concern if you're the Packers there uh, about Alan Lazard not playing to start the season? Yeah, I think it's a pretty big deal, Matt, for the obvious reason is if if he's not playing, then you got to play one of the rookies, right? Ready or not. Of course, I mean, you're going to play Watson and Dobbs to some extent regardless, but if if Lazard's not out there for 60 snaps, we'll put it at that, that's a, that's a lot more reps for rookies to have to play. So I, I think in a perfect world, you'd like to ease those guys in. Different position, obviously, but I think Stokes played, what, eight snaps in week one last year? I just think teams like to ease their guys into things, and if Lazard is not out there, they might not have that luxury. How about you? What do you, what do you think about that? Is it, yeah, I mean, is it a big deal that he's out there, not out there, or is it just because they have so many mediocre or above-average guys, is it really no big deal? We'll see. Um, it's certainly not a good sign that they had four days off, four days of rest, and then he's still not practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, it must be a, a pretty serious step on the ankle or a step on the, the foot, whatever it is, wherever he got stepped on and by who uh, t- for him to still not be practicing. But, you know, it definitely changes the Packers offense, given how much they're they're supposedly going to rely on Lazard this year. I asked Rodgers, so if Lazard doesn't go, you've talked about him as the number one. Who's who's the number one guy? Has anyone separated themselves, or is it kind of like a by-committee approach? And he said that they have five guys uh, who they're going to rely on consistently to play wide receiver this year in games. I'm assuming uh, he means uh, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. And he said if one guy goes down, the other four have to step up. So, listen, that means Watkins, Cobb, Watson and Dobbs have to step up. It's probably going to be Sammy Watkins as wide receiver one if you want to uh, delegate one guy as that top guy. But Matt LaFleur said a couple weeks ago, I think it was, there is no clear-cut number one guy. They're going to spread the ball around, and I think that you're more likely to see kind of that approach. And then 
the developments of, of Robert Tunyon. Rogers spoke glowingly about what he's seen from him since he came back into team drills. We know Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon can catch the ball. I know there's all this talk about wide receivers, um, but Aaron Jones and Robert Tunyon are probably the two most proven pass catchers on the team if Alan Lazard doesn't play. Right. I guess the question here is, obviously, Lazard is the guy well, Cobb, too, but Lazard is the guy with the, with the trust with the quarterback. Uh, let's assume this is going to be a close game on Sunday. Who who gets open on third and eight, right? You Robert can, Tunyon. It, it's, it, right. It, it sounds great to throw it to Jones a bunch, but if it's third and third and long, then, you know, the running back sometimes is not the greatest option there. And Viking, let's say the Vikings put two guys on, on Tunyon and dare someone else to get open. Romeo Dobbs better get open then. Right. I mean, I know – our guy Rob Domoski talked to Watkins earlier, and Watkins is talking about everybody's a number one. Nope. No, we're talking about coming out of the locker room. It's like the, it's like the slogan or the old saying: if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. If you have five number one receivers, you don't have any. And this has been my thing with this offense all along: is when push comes to shove in a big moment in a big game, who gets open? Lazard is as close as they have to that guy, unless Dobbs and Watson can. Can really step in the forefront. Yeah, uh, Devontae Adams gets open. I know that. Yes, he does. He's still on the team. No, he's he, he got traded. Man. Did he? Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Anyway, the other big storyline is the health of David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Uh, they right. Well, I, I should say before we move on, Christian Watson was listed as a full participant in practice today, so he's going to play. It's just a matter of how much and how much does Rogers trust him, given. Uh, he hasn't played in a preseason game, and uh, I don't know how much trust they've built together, though Rodgers has said some positive things about you know, his physique, his build, some of the plays he's made. So maybe Watson is one of those guys that has to get open. All right, those two potential all-pro offensive linemen. Bakhtiari told uh, Rob, uh, shout out to Rob again, he, he's a contributor on this podcast even though he's never been on it, um, that he was on track to play. On Monday, Bakhtiari responded with the, I'm just taking it day at a time. And of course, he has to temper expectations. But I'm inclined to say he plays right now that him and Jenkins were both listed as limited on the injury report today. I don't want to ask you to look into your crystal ball because we don't really know if if they're going to play. But that would make a world of a difference if they have Bakhtiari and Jenkins at left and right tackle. Elton Jenkins will play right tackle. That has been, quote-unquote, confirmed by the unofficial depth chart, but I think we knew that all along based on what we saw in practice. How much of a difference, and you asked Rodgers that, and you said it's the, the most obvious question you've ever asked, but it's an important one. Against Zedarius Smith and Daniel Hunter in that front, how much of a difference can 69 and 74 being out there make compared to Josh Nyman at left tackle and Royce Newman at right tackle, which Rodgers said would be the lineup if those other two guys don't play? Gosh, Matt, I- it's, it's, it's impossible to quantify. It, it's so enormous. You know, I, I had a, a wise line coach. Tell me, you, you can overcome one bad lineman. You can't overcome having two. Royce Newman is a decent enough right guard. He can't play right tackle. So if you've got to go help Newman the entire game, it's going to be really hard to help Nyman, right? Unless you're just going to go run two receiver routes the whole game, and, and that's just not, that's not winning football. Um, so you, you got the obvious talent of Bakhtiari and Jenkins and the ability to, to lock those guys down, speaking of Smith and Hunter. But also, it's just, it, it's just so damn loud there, Matt. And it's the, the security of 
these guys have played in these loud games. You know, the Packers have their own silent count system. They know it. They've done it. So between the talent of blocking two really primetime pass rushers, and let's not diminish Sedarius Smith, right, just because the Packers won games a lot of my sure he's, he's one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. It's not just blocking those guys, but it's just dealing with the noise and the silent count and all the other stuff that goes into to playing winning football in a dome game. Right, and I think this was interesting from Rodgers' uh, session at his locker with us today. In the hypothetical scenario that Bakhtiari and Jenkins don't play, he said, both the tackles who would play if those guys didn't play played a lot of football for us. Royce mostly at guard, but Yash played a lot of ball for us last year at left tackle and did a nice job. I can't say I'm worried about Yash. Then he didn't mention Newman, which means he's probably a little worried about Royce Newman at right tackle. He said, I'm excited about those guys if they're out there with their opportunities. But then he said about uh, Jenkins and Bakhtiari, it would definitely settle everybody's nerves maybe a little bit if they played. So that would be huge. Let me ask you this. I know we were talking about this in the locker room. If only one of them plays, Bakhtiari or Jenkins, you put... Let's say it's just Bakhtiari and he's at left tackle. Who do you put at right tackle? Yash Nyman's never played well, right tackle. Question, right? Do, you, do you put Newman there because he's rep there? Nyman's never played right tackle here. Do you put him there because he's the better overall lineman? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I would, and, you know, we, we haven't seen – when's the last time we saw, like, a real part of practice? We're talking, what, two weeks ago? Weeks. Yeah, so I maybe maybe Nyman's been taking all those right tackle reps to get him ready for it. I think they're gonna both gonna play, Matt. Don't I you? do too. I'm not basing that. Anything. No, neither am I. Other than you know, we, we sit there and watch the little bit of stuff that we get to watch in practice, and you try to connect some dots, and you know, you you see Bakhtiari working with Runyon, and you see. Well, you see, Jink is working with somebody. I don't even know for a lot of this. I probably can't say who he's working with, but he's working with a right guard, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, and I, so I assume that based on what we're seeing during that really limited practice availability, that that's that's how they're going to line up. So I, I think they're both going to play. So then, if it's Jenkins, but not Bakhtiari, just covering all our bases here, do you keep Jenkins at right tackle and put Nyman at left, or do you put Jenkins at left? and Nyman or Newman at right. I would think in that scenario, they keep Nyman at left and put Jenkins at right. Mm-hmm. Right, because again, everything that we've seen has been Jenkins at right tackle. Right. And that's going back to his, like, just on-the-field rehab stuff he was doing in, in early April. It's all those right right tackle pass sets he was taking. So I, I assume that's the plan is him. And look, I think Yash is a good player. He played really well last year for him. I mean, they he started, what, eight games for him? I never thought that, other than like that first series in San Francisco. Well, yeah, when he was going up I never thought he. Nick I Bosa. never thought he was a problem. Yeah, but he was. He was fine the rest of that game after he settled in, and I, I think he's a good player. So do I. So I, I, I would go that way. So the other topic that kind of came up in the news today were uh, Zadarius Smith's recent comments about. His time here, specifically last year, made to Tyler Dunn, former Packers beat writer. Now, there was only one side of the story told here, so I'm interested to hear what the Packers have to say about this. And we got a glimpse, I should say, I was interested to hear what the Packers had to say about it. And they didn't really say much today, specifically LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers when asked. 
But here's a snippet of what Zedarius Smith said. It's not flattering about the Packers, but as I've said, there's always two sides to every story. This is in reference to his back injury that limited him to one game played last season. Um, it was kind of lingering throughout camp, wasn't voted a captain, wasn't happy about that. I'm assuming based on his subtweet of the situation right after captains were announced, after teammates had voted him the only defensive captain his first two years here, then not one of three defensive captains his third year here. Uh, and then he played 18 snaps against the Saints in week one, didn't play again. And we know he was out of Wisconsin for a time. I don't know where he went. Um, I don't know if there was a lack of communication between him and the Packers, but he said, how I was here in the building, I came down to here, meaning um, if we don't have a video podcast, but up high to down low, that's what he's saying. He, to, to a nobody, to everybody in the building, I was like, damn, why am I being treated like this? I brought the culture. I helped change this shit. Why the F-U-C-K? I'm probably allowed to say that. Why the fuck am I the one being treated like that? Walking past me, not saying anything. Z, how's your back doing? There was none of that. As you can see, that adds on to why I'm on the other side. So I can go back. I get to go back two times a year. So fans have not been happy about that on Twitter today. Uh, Matt LaFleur said he has a lot of respect for Zedarius, uh, given what he did for them. He was a great player here for two years. But he said, I think we may have a different perspective on how things transpired. And Aaron Rodgers, as someone pointed out on Twitter, Rodgers, however you want to feel about him, most of the time he's straight up and truthful. Like if he won't sugarcoat anything if there's someone to shit on around here. Uh, he won't, someone brought this up on, on Twitter, as I said, that uh, he hasn't shied away from trashing the front office in past years. But when there's someone that he feels strongly about coming to their defense, he'll do it. And he said, I was made aware of that. And I don't want to add any fuel to the fire in regard to Smith's comments. And he started off his answer with a big smile. And he said, I'll just echo exactly what Matt said, as in Matt LaFleur, not me. Um, my two cents are, it's just, listen, there's a reason they didn't vote him as a captain. There's a reason all of his teammates mm -hmm. didn't vote him as a captain. I enjoyed covering Zedarius. You know, I got to know him a little bit from a big feature I did on him in 2019. He's got a great story. And listen, it makes this game on Sunday a little bit more interesting, an extra juicy storyline, and that's what we're here for. That's what we're in business for. You're just, you're, you're, for the people that are listening to this, Bill is thinking pensively about what he wants to say. So it's not just silence or us staring at each other. <laughs> he wants to be, de I, I, he wants to be uh, appropriate about what he says. Right. So, um, Look, players are always looking for motivation. You know, and I'm not saying he's making it up, but play, even if they have to make up crap, like like what like was it going into 2020? Yeah, it was going into 2021, where he was ticked off about some top 10 pass rushers list, right? This is what this is what athletes yeah. do. They find motivation either real or pretend or amplified. I will also say Zadarius has never shied away from saying something provocative. Because, I mean, he knows he knows we eat this shit up, right? So is he really mad about the Packers? Yeah, maybe he is. Um, I don't think it matters. I mean, he's, every player who's ever been released has been ticked off when they go play their former yep. team. 
So is, does this mean Zedarius is going to go and have six snaps? Or snaps. He'll play six snaps. Six sacks on Sunday? No. No. You know, all, all this anger and motivation, it all lasts for like four or five snaps. And then, then, the, then the games, then they settle into the routine. And that's that. Is he mad? Yeah, maybe. But I'll say this too. And we've heard this from every athlete who's been injured over years. When you're hurt, it's like you're not on the team anymore. Zedarius is no different than this. If, the, if he felt like he was being shunned by his teammates, he's no different than anybody else who's been injured. All your teammates are getting. All your teammates are going out to practice. They're in meetings. They're rehabbing their own injuries. Look, they, they don't. I'm sorry, people. There's no sympathy in the NFL. They don't have time for it. There is a next game to get ready for. And if you're rehabbing an injury, so are they. He also wasn't. Or around. if you're not here for oh, right. You just. I was just going to say it. And if you're not here for two months, what are they supposed to say to you? And he wasn't here for two months, so it's a great story. It's great for us. It's great fodder. But at the end of the day, whatever. Well put. Listen, something I'm excited to watch on Sunday. Speaking of defensive players, is this Packers defense finally up against a pretty mm-hmm. pretty good offense that stuck it to them? the last time these two teams played. Um, not the last time, because Sean Mannion was starting. Uh, the last time they played in Minneapolis when you know the, the Vikings won 34-31. There's been so much talk, and rightfully so, about how good this Packers defense can be, but it's the qualifier after all that is on paper, on paper, on paper, potential. And Aaron Rodgers has said it about the offense, you know, production matters more than potential. And I'm really excited to see, intrigued, I should say, uh, intrigued to see what this defense does, specifically um, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, and Rasul Douglas against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, who you could probably make the case, you know, Devonta Adams and Hunter Renfro, uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, are right up there with the top one, two wide receiver punches in the NFL, Jefferson and Thielen, that is. So I'm really intrigued to see how they do and and really how those uh, two inside linebackers, Campbell and Walker, do against Dalvin Cook and and trying to limit those explosive gains. And quite frankly, the defensive line too. We've heard so much about how this defensive line is deeper. Can they stop the run? Uh, I think back to that game I think it was 2020 when the Vikings came to Lambeau and Dalvin Cook had three or four touchdowns. Like these guys have given Green Bay issues over the years. They are, I think, by far and away the second best team in the division on paper. Really, the Packers' only legitimate challenger for the division title. I don't think it's a good measuring stick game because it's week one and we saw how bad of a measuring stick last year's week one was. But it'll be just interesting to get some actual football on paper and have something to talk about other, other than these hypotheticals that we've been talking about for the past two freaking months. Yeah. Don't you want to get home on Monday morning, Matt, and watch Jair Alexander and, and Justin Jefferson on yeah, tape? Yeah, exactly. It's just, just, just focus on that matchup again and again and again. I mean, my goodness, that is – look, obviously Jefferson killed these guys at that place in November, but that was not against – Jair Alexander. This is Alexander smothered the Saints in those joint practices. Alan Lazard was invisible through training camp because of Alexander. That is going to be one hell of a matchup. Man, I can't I can't wait to see that one. I think you had a good point there too, Matt, about the run defense. I don't know how good it is. I mean, we did, we and we and we have no idea because 
you know, during these training camp practices, you can't really tell if the running back was tackled or not because they're not actually tackling. Although I felt like the Saints had some success. Um, but again, it's, it's just so hard to tell, even in those too, because it's, it's they call it thuds. So you just kind of put a shoulder under the guy and the guy keeps running. So I don't know if the run defense is that good. Um, so I, I think that's really what I want to see. Can they stop the run? Because if they can stop the run, right, then they just probably tee off on, on Cousins and, and the cornerbacks win their matchups and it's going to be a, a big day for the defense. So I guess what, what did you think? You saw the run defense that one day. I guess what do you think of the state of that group? I think it's pretty solid. You know, the Saints were able to bust out a couple runs, and they have a good good one-two punch themselves with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. But, you know, I had a, a season prediction superlative story that came out today, and I made a pick for most improved player on the entire team, and I said TJ Slayton. He, was, he had some flashes last year, but didn't really get much time. Or I shouldn't say that. I think he played 255 defensive snaps all season. Still not much compared to a full season's worth of defensive snaps. But I think he's the main reason why this team feels it's deeper on the defensive line. Because, you know, you were really only too deep last year with Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry. Kingsley Kiki and Tyler Lancaster were there, but they didn't do much. This year you have Clark, Lowry coming off the best season of his career. Jaron Reed, who to me... I'm not saying he's going to get to the level of Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell, but seems like he could be following in the footsteps of those low-budget off-season, in Rasul's case, mid-season uh, signings on the defensive side of the ball that turn into really key players for these guys. And he had a great summer. Um, and then Slayton's the number four, and he's been good this summer too. So it's telling not only for the guys above him, I guess it's also telling for Devontae Wyatt and kind of how he's gotten off to a slow start, but it's also telling for the guys above them that he's stuck at number five on the depth chart. And he's a first round pick with how good the guys, how well the guys above him have played. I think the run defense is going to be better. Um, it has to be. It can't get much worse than it's been in the last couple of years, but that, that'll, be, that'll be key because this is one of the best running backs in the league they're going up against. Um, and, it, and it's going to have to be better. Yeah, I think they were 30th last year in yards allowed per carry. Yeah. God, I mean, they were horrendous. I think, And we've talked about this before, I, I know. But the Quay Walker traffic is just so big because now, now they don't have to play dime. Like, how much dime did you see them in playing training camp? Like, almost none. And that was like bread and butter stuff under Petten and even last year under Barry because they can play pass coverage with Campbell and, and, and Quay Walker together out there. Um, it's obviously, obviously obviously a lot easier to play run defense with two linebackers rather than just one. So, yeah, I think this is the, this is the kind of game where Walker really pays big dividends because you can play more traditional defenses and not be so worried about getting beaten through the air because you got Chris Barnes or or Ty Summers or some of these other schlubs that have been playing linebacker over the years. I would call Chris Barnes a schlub. No, but the other guys, some of these other guys who play over the years. Yes. Here's an interesting thing that I just remembered about the game in Minnesota last year uh, where the Vikings ran roughshod and Kirk Cousins went 24 for 35 for 341 yards and three touchdowns. You know who didn't play that game? Rashawn Gary. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And listen. That's right. It was you, Tipa and Garbin trying to rush exactly. the Exactly. And he was my pick for the team's defensive MVP this year with all due respect to Kenny Clark, Devondre Campbell, and Jair Alexander. Rashawn Gary is a difference maker. And if he makes Kirk Cousins uncomfortable back there, it's uh, the Packers win that game. Kirk Cousins had all day to throw, could pick them apart, gave 
uh, Jefferson and Thielen and other guys time to get open. Having him back for this game is a huge difference. And that's, I know we've talked about the corners, the inside linebackers, the D-line. Um, that pass rush, man, I wouldn't say Gary and Preston Smith are the best duo in the league. Like Chandler Jones and Max Crosby are really good. Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack are probably the top guys. But I think Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary are, are maybe a level below that. Um, and if they can get after Kirk Cousins and those those we've been talking about it all camp, the biggest question mark for this defense is when Gary and Smith need a breather because they're not like the cornerbacks. They don't play the whole game. They only played about 63% of the defensive snaps last year. And I think Gary missed two games and Smith missed one. So maybe it should have been a, a, a little higher if they played a whole season. But can Anagberry, Garvin, Tipa keep that level, that standard high when Rashawn and Preston come out? That could be the difference maker. Yeah, don't you think Gary's the most important player on the roster who can't get hurt other than the quarterback, obviously? Yes. I mean, man, oh man, they are up a creek without him. He is so good and it's, I mean, it's so interesting where Garvin and Get and Tipa were their backups last year. I mean, obviously, Merciless isn't there for when he was healthy, but when Merciless went down, it, it was those two guys. And here we are all these months later, same thing. It's Garvin and Tipa who had a, a grand total of two and a half sacks last year. Those guys are going to be hugely important taking a step forward because they just have not done enough in their brief times here. All right. Lastly, game predictions. And give me your reasoning why. I'm going to stick to the prediction I made in my story today when I predicted every game with a little explanation. I'm a believer in statement games, especially when you have a quarterback who, uh, I wouldn't say holds grudges, but likes to prove people wrong, even though he claims there's no extra motivation without Devontae Adams this, this year. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go in there and try and make a statement. He's not going to say this exactly, but everyone's talking about my lack of wideouts, not having Devontae, uh, everyone forgets that we still have the back-to-back -back MVP throwing the ball. I think he's going to have one of those games. Uh, we're going to see Jones and Dylan used how the Packers want them to be used. And I think this defense is really going to want to – they've talked the talk all summer, some of them. You know, Devondre Campbell tried to downplay it the other day. But Rasul, Jair, those guys have talked the talk, and I think they're going to want to walk the walk. So if I had to go score prediction – I'll say 27-17 Packers. Yeah, I agree with all that. I was, I'm going to go 24-17 Packers. I think Green Bay's defensive front is too good for the Vikings' offensive line. And I agree with you. For all the talk about you know the Vikings have new schemes with their new coach, you know Green Bay gets to try out something new here too, right? I mean, how are they going to play without Devontae Adams? Nobody really knows. LaFleur's had months to figure this out. Um, we've seen a little bit on the practice field. I think this. I think the Vikings are going to kind of be in that same boat as the Packers are. Just that unknown. I, I think Lafleur will have a plan. I think Rodgers has something to prove. And man, after seeing the defense talk trash at Rodgers of all people all summer long, I think they'll have their way against the Vikings. Twenty-four seventeen, Packers. Excellent. That's our first game preview episode of the season. That was fun. Um, We'll talk to you guys again after the game in Minnesota. Sunday, 325 Eastern. 325 Eastern. 325 Central on Fox. The new Fox A team uh, literally 
my tweets that get the most action every week are the announcer tweets of who's announcing the game. You guys love that stuff. Uh, the new Fox A team, not Joe Buck and Troy Aikman anymore. Aaron Andrews and Tom Rinaldi are still there, but Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. So uh, I enjoy listening to Greg Olson when he's on. Kevin Burkhart uh, is also good. That's the Super Bowl broadcast team this year. So that's who you will be listening to if you listen and watch the game on TV. Uh, but we'll- the fans rejoice, Matt. They hate Joe Buck. They hate Troy Aikman. They hate- because those guys hate the Packers, damn it. Hate them. That's sarcasm, if you guys couldn't Allegedly. tell. Allegedly, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> follow Bill on SI, me on The Athletic. We've got your coverage throughout the rest of the week. Happy NFL season, everyone. It's finally here. Uh, before you know it, we will be in Glendale, Arizona for a Packers-Ravens Super Bowl. Just kidding. Well, wow. that, was, that is my season prediction. But uh, you don't know that because... You haven't read my story yet. I'm, t- I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the people. But if you want to see the rest of my predictions, go read my story. Uh, all right. We'll talk to you Sunday.